Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Monday to you. Hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, and uh, you ready to do a little TNC? It's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks, right? So uh, by now, most of you know why um, I haven't done the show for a couple of weeks. I was preparing for a fight. Now, those of you who've followed the show for a while, you know that uh, I was an amateur boxer, but this was a little different. This was a professional fight. So We'll talk about that. Uh, give you guys the lowdown and talk about my experience. Uh, it hasn't even been 48 hours yet. As you can imagine, I'm exhausted. Um, I'm just absolutely drained emotionally, physically, everything. So uh, I'm still kind of recouping. Um, and then we'll talk about, let's see, we, there's not a whole, there wasn't a whole lot going on last weekend. But we've got some stuff coming up this week and a couple little fights, one interesting featherweight fight. And then we've got some good stuff to look forward to toward the end of the month. OK, so we'll talk about all that stuff. Uh, guys, as always, I remind you, make sure that you're smashing that like button, that you're subscribed, uh, whether you're watching here on YouTube live or you're listening to the audio pod later, wherever you're listening or watching. Make sure that you're subscribed and that you give likes, ratings, reviews. All that stuff helps me out, okay? And the fee that I ask you to pay for the show is non-monetary. I just ask that you spread the word. That's it. Real simple. Uh, this is a word of mouth kind of thing that we do over here. Where I'm an independent operator. I always have been. I've dabbled in the media and I've contributed to different platforms over the years. But I've always, with my YouTube and, and my, my social media stuff, always been an independent operator. And that's how 90% of you guys out there know me is through this stuff, right? So pay that fee, share the word. Okay. I'll try to keep my energy up. As I said before, I'm exhausted. So, um, I'll talk more about why, um, <clears throat> cause it's, it wasn't just the fight. It was, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. So my energy might be a little low. I apologize for that in advance before, uh, I get into the review guys. I just want to say, you know, today is, today is September 11th. Um, and it's, it's a date that you know, particularly here in America, is a date that invokes certain emotions that that we'll never forget. It's it's um, it's kind of like um, the Pearl Harbor attack. You know, back um, wow, it's been over eighty years, I think now since that attack. Um, it's one of those. You know, that's another date. There are just certain dates that stand out, right? Um, and for those of us who were old enough, I was twenty two when uh, the the September eleventh attacks happened. I had turned 22 just a few months before. So, you know, I was young and immature, but I was old enough, obviously, to um, understand the gravity of what was taking place. And, and I'm now 44. So it, we're right in the middle um, for me. Uh, that happened right in the right in the halfway point of my life. And so there's the 22 years up to that point and the 22 years since and uh, all the things that have changed. So um, and you guys you know that I'm a former United States Marine. I proudly served in the Marine Corps. So uh, this, you know, when I, when I think about days like today, um, it's personal to me. Um, you know, I had friends that ended up going overseas, um, guys that I served with, um, because, you know, we ended up going to war after 9-11. And um, some of the guys I served with did not come back home. You know, some of the guys that I knew that I hung out with, when I was going through training, did not make it back. Um, and uh, so I don't know, I just, you know, I'm in a contemplative mood today, I guess. Um, 
just because of the date. And uh, I'm wearing a shirt. This is from um, Nine Line Apparel. I just want to share this with you guys. You see the number 22 on here? And let me see if I can lift this part up so you can see. There's a part down here. It says 22 a day, veteran lives matter. Okay. Uh, for those of you listening, um, that's I'm just holding up my t-shirt right now, what it says. And what this t-shirt's about is 22 veterans in the United States uh, commit suicide every day. That statistic is insane. It's, uh, it's honestly, it outrages me that that many of our veterans are, are doing that to themselves because they feel they have no other options. And again, this is a personal issue for me. And based on everything, you know, what just this date and what it means and all those things, um, I felt I should wear this shirt and just talk about this just really quickly. Um, when I served in the Marines, there was actually two different guys I knew that committed suicide. Um, and, and one of them, I got into the room literally just a minute after it happened. Um, unfortunately, I had to see. Um, I had to see an image that uh, is still, it's, it's pretty difficult uh, to think about. Um, <clears throat> I just see some things that, you know, were, uh, were tough to see, um, guys, this is, this is a serious thing. Okay. So if, um, if you're going through a tough time in your life and I'm sorry, let me get myself together. Uh, it still bothers me to this day. Um, if you're going through a tough time, if there's things going on in your life, and I'm particularly talking to young men here because this is an issue that affects men more than women. I want to say it's like 20 to 1 or something. This, this is a men's issue, okay? Um, guys, if you're going through something and you're having a difficult time, you need to understand that you have options. You have resources that are available to you, okay? You need to reach out. Um, and you need to remember that, man, it's just it, no matter what's going on, no matter how difficult things are, it's not worth it, man. Okay. It's just not worth it. So, um, guys, you know, if you know a friend or a family member that maybe you haven't talked to in a while, maybe they've gotten real quiet. Maybe they've, um, I just kind of retreated to a corner somewhere, <sighs> man, reach out to them. Okay. Make sure you reach out to them and let them know that, um, there's someone out there that gives a shit. Sometimes making that phone call, or email or text or whatever it is, okay? Um, sometimes that can be the difference between somebody taking that step or not taking that step. So I just wanna, you know, again, this shirt, man, 22 a day, 22 a day, that, that's just crazy. <clears throat> um, okay, guys, so I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, let's talk about my fight. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, look, I, I not that I wanna sit here and talk about myself. Um, but there really was nothing else going on last weekend. So uh, it was in my little bubble, in my little world, this was the boxing news last weekend, right? Um, and there was people on Twitter, fighters talking about ducking and all this kind of, I'm not even going to get into all the fight negotiations that were going on and breaking down over Twitter and all that crap. You got, I don't care about any of that. So that last Saturday, September 9th, um, I had my professional boxing debut. Now, this is something that I've thought about doing for a long time, um, but there was a process involved and I didn't wanna skip ahead in line. I didn't wanna use 
some of the name recognition I had. Not that I'm a big deal, but I have some, a little bit of name recognition in the boxing world because of some of the work that I've done. I didn't want to use that cachet to skip ahead in line and do like one amateur fight and then go right into a pro fight or something like that, which I think that's like with Jake Paul and KSI, did guys like that. I didn't want to go that route. To become a professional boxer, you have to have at least five amateur fights and you have to have a winning record. So I um, I did it the old school way. I earned it. And uh, I ended up having six total amateur fights. I had my last amateur fight this February. I didn't talk about all of them. I kept most of them quiet, actually, because I just wanted to. There was the one that I did that was a charity event. And that was important to me because we were dedicating it to to my brother, Anthony, who had died. Um, and you know, that was something I really wanted people to know about. So I really promoted it. I talked about it, got the help, get the WBC involved. And there was local media and national media. It was awesome. And it was awesome that I headlined that event for an amateur show. It was a big event. There were thousands of people. It was awesome, dude. But these other shows, these other things I fought on, it was kind of a means to an end. I never enjoyed amateur boxing. I, in fact, I kind of couldn't stand it. I couldn't wait to do a pro fight, honestly. And uh, so what happened was I did, again, my last amateur fight was this February. And after that, um, a bunch of things happened in my life that were unexpected. And there was all kinds of family issues and drama. And you guys remember, I took a couple months to pull back from the podcast, right? Um, and I won't go into details here, but just really quick, found out my wife was pregnant. We didn't plan this one. <laughs> we, we planned the first one, but we took steps to prevent the second one from happening for a couple of years. Uh, we wanted to at least wait a year, I should say. And uh, no, no, a couple months after, a few months after my daughter Jacqueline was born, boom, my wife finds out she's pregnant. Uh, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And there was, you know, of course, a million complications with that. Uh, me and my sister had to sell her house and, and do all this different stuff uh, to make sure that she was getting the care that she needs. Uh, my cousin Janice died. Um, who was just a, a couple months younger than me. And my last living grandparent died. My grandmother died. So like a lot of things happened like really, really quickly. <laughs> and so um, it was time to pull back a little bit and just focus on family and get some things squared away and take care of people, right? Not just taking care of my baby. Keep in mind when all this was happening, I had like a three month old baby, <laughs> uh, but everything else, okay? And a pregnant wife I had to take care of, a lot of things going on. So I had to pull back. But while this was happening, you know, during the, the couple months that I was taking care of all these things, helping take care of all these things with my family, and which required travel and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, I talked to my wife and I said, listen, um, I thought I was going to have a couple years, you know, before our next kid. Turns out, you know, you're pregnant now. We're going to have a second kid by the end of this year. Within a year, we're going to have two kids within a year. Okay. I'm going to have my hands full very soon. I said, baby. I want to go for the pro thing now. Let, let me just knock this out now. And th that was part of the deal that her and I made is she said, listen, if you're going to do this, something's got to, you got to give somewhere because it's going to require a lot of training. So you need to pull back on the media work. Um, and I, I had some job offers this year. And one of them was a great job offer from a company with people that I really, really like. Uh, wonderful people. And it was a good job. It would have been lead correspondent. Okay. Like a, a good job and possibility of doing in studio stuff, all kinds of things. 
And I turned it down as part of the discussion me and my wife had. I had to pri make prior prioritize things and what I wanted to do. And so she said, Mike, you can't do all these things. There's just not enough time in the day. You're going to kill yourself and you're going to kill this family. So we talked it out. And, and what we ended up doing is, again, I took a break from the podcast and really just from media work in general. Uh, I, I still do some work in boxing behind the scenes that I've never really even talked about publicly. I do some stuff you know, that's off camera, offline, um, on the business end, where I'm still making money that way. Um, and again, I, I don't really even talk about that stuff. I just kind of keep that. It's just a, a side thing. So I continue doing some of that. I've done some occasional podcasts and radio spots, right? But I've really, really, really pulled back. And that was so that I could focus on getting the family stuff together, but also getting my pro license and training for a pro fight. So um, what we, it took like a couple months. I had, because I'm over 40, I had to get a ton of medicals, advanced medicals, way more than a guy who's 22 and trying to do this, right? I had to get a ton of stuff, like brain scans, heart scans, different types of heart scans. I had to have my lungs looked at, all kinds of crap, right? I mean, it 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 took a lot of time and, and money. It was not cheap to get some of these tests. Insurance covered some of it, but not all of it. Anyway, the whole process took a, a couple months to get just the tests done. Then I had to go before the state commission here where I live in Atlanta, um, downtown Atlanta, uh, the government building, the, the commission was there. I had to like go before a hearing before them and present this information and, and kind of plead my case. And then um, I had to get approved by the Association of Boxing Commissions for what is called your federal boxing license, your professional boxing license. You have to get a federal ID, a federal license to box professionally here in America. So I had, to, I had to be approved by the ABC. So I had to get all my ducks in a row. I actually had a bunch of like written statements from professional fighters I had sparred with and trained with, guys, uh, coaches, uh, just to present if I needed it. Uh, like people saying like, hey, Montero can more than handle himself. He's going to be just fine. You guys can approve him. Um, you know, basically people vouching for me, dozens of them. So it was a process. I got approved in late, the, the very end of April, like the last day of April, my license was approved. I was in the gym in camp May 1st, first, whatever the first Monday of May was, I was in the gym and we had it set up. My wife agreed. She argued with me a lot at first, but she ultimately agreed that I could do three or four pro fights this summer. That is what the plan was. And I had it mapped out. The first fight was supposed to be June 24th. We had a fight card that we uh, that I was able to get on. And then there was one July 15th, another one July 29th. And then there was going to be one, I think it was August 26th. It was some, somewhere toward the end of August. Those were the four fight dates I had. And it was with four different promoters in four different states. And one of them was up in Detroit. I was going to fight uh, with Crunk. You guys see Crunk trunks behind me. I was going to wear those trunks. I was going to fight on a crunk show. Uh, that crunk, what ended up happening with all four of these events, they all got canceled. <laughs> they all got canceled. So I've been in camp since the beginning of May, training, trying to get on a card. And I had it lined up and I really thought I was going to do three or four of these fights this summer and get it out of my system and be done with it. But these event, events kept getting canceled or postponed. So the Crunk Show, that just got 
completely canceled because they're working on some business stuff that they're trying to finalize. There's awesome stuff coming down the road for, for crunk, by the way, uh, both amateur and pro, but they had to like pull, pull out on some of these shows they were originally planning to do this year. So they could focus on that. Um, and that was going to be really special for me to be able to go back to Detroit where I grew up and fight there. I had family members that were excited to watch that show. Um, and then there was one, the one show specifically on July 29th, usually when these shows get canceled or postponed, it happens three, four weeks before the show. So at least you're not too deep in the camp, right? But the one on July 29th I was going to fight on was canceled the Friday before. And so I had just gone for the fighters out there, you know what I'm talking about. I had just gone through hell week where you're basically doing like three or four fights the week before, mock fights, you know, before your fight week. I had just gone through that. And I came home Friday night. I was so sore, so tired, but ready. And I was ready to just rest for a week and then fight. And I got a call Friday night from the promoter. The promoter called me directly. They felt so bad because uh, they knew what, all the work I had put in. And so they wanted to, and it was really awesome for them to reach out to me personally, instead of just sending like an email or something, they called me. It was devastating, man. It's, it's, you know, I've had to deal with postponements and cancellations so many times in the amateurs. It was difficult to find opponents for me to fight because in the amateurs, it, it's masters if you're over 35. So you got to fight someone who's 35 and up. And it's just hard to find guys that age that want to fight, especially for free. In the pros, it's different because these guys are getting paid. Uh, but it, so I've dealt with cancellations and like the, the heartache that causes, but a week before, dude. I will admit that entire weekend, I thought about just saying F this. My wife was devastated. Like we were just so, we had planned like our hotel room, all that stuff was planned Our you know, our trip. Cause it was, it was out of state. And um, ultimately, you know, I decided to soldier through it and I was able to get on this show September 9th, shout out to laced up promotions and Viking fight promotions. These It was Laced Up Promotions event, but some guys from Viking helped out on the show. Special shout out to Michael Englert and uh, to my boy Chris Glover over at ProBox for making the introductions and getting us all together. I was able to jump on this show that was in a town called Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina. Those of you out there who are familiar with that part of the country, you might know Charlotte. It's a, I think it's, it's the biggest city in the Carolinas, right? It's one of the bigger cities in the Southeast. One of the fastest growing cities in America because the economy is so good and all that stuff. It's a really nice town, really nice, clean town. Uh, anyway, so it was in a suburb of Charlotte. And so, um, I, you know, if the fight finally happened, they finally got a guy, funny story. One of the fights that didn't happen earlier this, this year, um, the guy pulled out and I thought it's just cause he bitched out. Come to find out a week or two later, he got arrested for armed robbery. He's actually still in prison right now. So the guy, one of the guys I was going to fight is currently doing a stint in the joint for armed robbery. It's just been crazy guys. It's been so difficult. And there have been so many, <sighs> there's just been a lot of stress and anxiety trying to just get this together because I didn't want to just jump on any show where I didn't know anybody and I could be put in a position where I could get ripped off or something like that. I, I didn't want to, you know, set myself up possibly to be taken advantage of because I've seen the things that can happen in this sport. 
And the guys that I've trained with, you know, are pro former professional fighters. Some of them are current pros. A lot of the coaches, former pro fighters that I've, I've uh, trained with. And they tell me stories. And it's and they all were like, Mike, no, you're not fighting on this card. You're not fighting on that card. This dude, shady, that dude, they would tell me straight up. No, 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 no. And then when I talked about these guys at Laced Up and Viking, everyone's like, yeah, these, these are good dudes. These are good guys. You can trust them. Um, you're not going to be taken advantage of. So anyway, agreed to do this show. And um, my wife and I discussed it. And so it was about, it's about a three and a half hour drive north from here where I live in Atlanta. And um, we had not taken my daughter, Jackie, on a road trip yet. She had never been in the car for more than about 30, 40 minutes. So it was kind of scary, but we ultimately decided, let's take her. Let, let's go. Let's, I want to go as a family. I want my wife there. I want my daughter there. And by proxy, my second daughter, who's still inside her mommy's womb. Um, and that I want both my daughters there. I want my ladies there, you know, my wife and my two daughters. And that was really important to me um, because I knew this was definitely going to be the last fight before the baby gets here. It could be my first and only fight ever just because of all the things going on in my life. I just don't know if it's going to work out where I can get in there again, although I'd really love to, but I have to prioritize family, you know, anyway, uh, she agreed. And so guys, let me tell you something, the amount of stuff you have to pack <laughs> when you are traveling with a baby. Oh my God. It, it felt like we were moving. The, the car was so, the SUV was so full of stuff. Couldn't even see out the back. Had to use the cameras to like do lane changes and stuff. Cause I literally, the window, like everything was just full. But um, we, uh, the, th the three and a half hour drive took more like five hours because we had to stop a couple of times and get the baby out of the car and feed her, and, you know, but she did awesome. Jackie did great. Uh, she was sick. She was, you know, under the weather and, you know, that just complicated things. We didn't, she seemed totally fine until the day we traveled and drove up, she started having the sniffles. So I don't know if the stress from the drive or maybe she had just caught something a day or two before, uh, just didn't show symptoms until we got there, but she had sniffles and she was coughing. And um, so she, maybe she's teething too. We think maybe her top teeth are coming out. Anyway, she wasn't feeling good, but she did great. She did awesome. It was her first time being out of the house in a new environment. We stayed at, you know, a little hotel with an efficiency. They offered to put us in the fight hotel. And I'm like, you know, I just want to stay off the beaten path a few miles from the venue and just be alone with my family to take care of my daughter. And, you know, so we, you know, it was awesome that they offered that, but I just said, no, 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 we're going to get our own thing. And we got like the little apartment efficiency that has the stove and the micro, you know, the things you, you could cook, you know? So um, that was good, you know, so that we could, because we're very particular about what our daughter eats. We like to get like whole food, organic stuff, um, natural food, nothing processed, right? So we wanted to be able to cook some some things. Anyway, um, it was a unique experience, um, but it was difficult. You know, um, my wife was stressed out, obviously, very pregnant. She's due next month. She's, you know, as big as a house. It's hard for her to get around. And um, she's dealing with this little 10-month-old baby. And um, I'm having to focus on a fight. I had to go to a weigh-in on Friday by myself because, you know, my wife and daughter were going to come to the weigh-in. Uh, it's the first time I had been in the weigh-in by myself. Usually I'm there with my coach, with, with somebody, one of the guys from my gym, something. I'm just kind of sitting in the corner by myself. My opponent was there with his whole crew. 
And, you know, they're there because there was a bunch of guys from his gym, his trainer. They're all hanging out, talking, laughing. I'm sitting in the corner playing with my phone. That was just a lot of what the weekend was. Um, but, you know, we went through the process and um, weighed in, signed the contracts, all that. And it's like, OK, it's, it's on now. We're doing this. He ain't pulling out. I ain't pulling out. We, we got to fight. Finally, finally, we're here. Four months of camp of starting and stopping probably a hundred rounds at least of sparring. I mean, I had put in the freaking work, man, and I was ready to do this. Saturday morning, I wake up, I got the sniffles. I got a sore throat. I got snot coming out of my mouth. Um, my wife does too. So whatever my daughter had, we have it. So I'm literally sick the day of the fight. I'm still sick. I'm still not feeling very good. I'm still not hundred percent. You can probably tell by looking at me. Um, so, I wake up feeling like shit, <laughs> uh, but you got to soldier through it, right? Uh, Jackie had puked all over Tiffany while she was feeding her. It was just like, oh, my God, what else could happen? But I um, I left them at the room, and I Ubered to the venue so that my wife could drive to the venue later because I had to go early and you know get medical clearance and all that with the doctor uh, and go through all that fighter stuff. And... Um, I'll tell you guys this uh, funny story, like how it all works out. Boxing is one of those sports where whatever can go wrong will. I mean, just things just go wrong. It's just Murphy's law. I'm sitting there and getting ready. Um, I'm in the dressing room and I, I talked to my coach wasn't able to come up, but Michael Englert, one of the guys at Viking fight promotions was there and he was able to get my corner and he had a guy there to do my wraps and everything. Uh, Cause uh, he had a couple fighters there so he, he kind of helped me out. And then like uh, the fighters, their fighters that were on the card, um, we just kind of hung out together and, and you know, it, it worked out good. But, um, you know, I asked him, so originally I was supposed to be the third fight on the card, the third fight. And I remember asking him like, hey, man, because um, they were running a bit late, like, should I start warming up? Should I start shadow boxing, whatever? And he's like, nah, dog, we probably got an hour still. So don't warm up too soon. You know, take your time. I shit you guys not literally 10 minutes after that, I'm sitting in the locker room playing on my phone, literally just looking at, I have a folder of pictures of my daughter, just looking at pictures of my daughter, smiling, trying to just be happy, just find that happy place. Right. Where I'm just looking at pictures of my daughter. Commission guy comes in, goes Montero three minutes. I'm like, what, what Montero three minutes. I didn't even have my gloves on. I was wrapped up. I was suited up but I did not have my gloves on because <laughs> I thought I had an hour. So I, I run up front. I was in the red corner locker room. I ran up front to where uh, Mike Lenglet was. And I, and I said, Hey man, they just told me three minutes. He's like, what, what the hell? Turns out they made me the first fight. They, two of the guys, two of the fights had been canceled because a couple guys pulled out, you know, these things happen. Um, and so they bought me up to the first fight. I didn't know. No one told me. And so I had three minutes. So literally they came and told me that while my opponent was getting ready to walk to the ring. So, and it wasn't, it wasn't on, I'm not trying to say any of this to be critical of the promotion. Uh, it should have been communicated by the commission, I think sooner. Um, commission people did a wonderful job. Everybody was very professional, did a great job. There was just a breakdown of communication somewhere. Okay. And no one told me I was the first fight. So I, long story short, I'm, 
I have three minutes to put on my gloves. Okay, the commission guy is watching me put on my gloves. They had already signed off on my wraps. Watching me put them on, watching my trainer lace them up, tape them up, and then I sign off on it. And then we walk to the ring, practically. I had maybe 60 seconds where I could move around a little bit and hit some mitts. Uh, basically, as we were walking to the tunnel. So I was completely dry, had zero warm up. And they're announcing my name. I can hear my name in my song playing. And I'm walking through there like, what the hell, dude? So I just, I had, um, I had like a hoodie on, like a little jumpsuit hoodie thing to warm up in. And I just put that on and just moved around a little bit, had my hands up and just tried to get a little loose, but I was tight and I was dry. But by the time I got in the ring and moved around a little bit, it was fine, you know, um, so they announced their names, fight starts, boom. Now, my opponent um, was, I think he's 21 or 22. He's literally half my age, half my age. And uh, he was shorter than me. He was like five inches shorter than me. So I had a big height advantage. So I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, I saw him at the weigh-in, obviously. And I was thinking, all right, I'm just going to stay long and punch down at this dude. Um, and when, if we, I figured he'd try to get real close. And I would keep my elbows high so I could push him down and then back and then punch. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I, but he came out, guys, literally, he kind of put his head down and was just throwing haymakers, <laughs> just both hands, just as hard as he could throwing haymakers. There was no jab. There was no setup. And I was almost like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> so I just covered up basically the fight only went a minute and 45 seconds. I basically covered up for the first minute. I did nothing but cover up, let him shoot his wad and kind of held him a couple of times. Ref broke us up. It, it was really sloppy, really sloppy. Uh, and then after I got him, he got a little bit tired. I had to get really, really low. I had to crouch down low because he was, again, he was like five inches shorter than me, but he was crouching down. So I had to get real low and I, I, I landed an uppercut right to the solar plexus, right? Right in this tummy. I should mention, uh, he was five inches shorter than me, but 30 pounds heavier. He was a stocky, thick, short squat kind of dude. All right. That was his build. So I, he's, he had a tummy and I was like, all right, let me go right for that gut. So I, I put a right hand, a right uppercut right into his gut and he immediately fell. Problem was for me to get down that close to land that punch, I had to really step in. So I was right on top of him. So when he fell, he fell on my legs. So I fell. So we both fell, right? And the ref was behind me, didn't see the punch. So he called it a slip. And I'm like, no, that was a knockdown, dude. But I didn't get mad. Um, I just, I realized, you know what? I still got half this round left. And he knows, my opponent knows that was a real knockdown. And he's hurt. And I could hear my corner saying the same thing, jump on his ass. So I thought about it in that moment. And I'm like, you know, I really want to showcase my skills. I want to box a little bit. I want to take a few rounds and show everyone what I could do. But there was this little voice in my head that said, Mike, he's hurt. Just effing finish it. Just go finish it. Don't give him any chances. And so that's what I did. I, I literally, when the ref said fight, right, he broke us up, you know, put us in our neutral corner. Okay, fight. I sprinted across the ring, okay? I didn't trot over there like a boxer. I sprinted and just threw a straight right hand right back to the solar plexus, right? 
and he kind of hunched over and then I landed two little left hooks and he went down fights over ref stops the fight. I was a little bit pissed because I was like, man, I wish you would have let him get up one more time. Cause I wanted a clean knockout. I wanted that clean concussion, you know, uh, put the dude to sleep kind of knockout. I didn't get that, but beggars can't be choosers. Right. Uh, fight was over and it was over in a minute and 45 seconds. And it was almost like anticlimactic because once I only ended up throwing like, I think five punches, but they all landed and every one of them had an impact, uh, but that's, that's all it took. Um, and it would, the fight was over. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, a blessing and a curse because the blessing is that first round knockout. How much more dominant can you get? I wasn't in there fighting Tyson Fury or, uh, Anthony Joshua. I get that. But against, you know, this level of opponent that you're going to fight in your pro debut, your first couple pro fights, you're supposed to get them out of there if you're on a certain level yourself, right? And that's what I did. So I showed my quality and my level, even though my boxing was kind of sloppy because I had to kind of get sloppy to fight with him um, the way he was fighting. Uh, it was decisive and dominant. I got my W. So that was the blessing. The curse is I put in hundreds of hours of work. Um, and I wanted to showcase some of the things I've been working on. I sparred guys. I did more sparring for this fight than any of my amateur fights, probably 10 to one. I'm serious. And I sparred a bunch of new guys in this camp, lefties. Um, one guy I've sparred with, who was 26 as a former college football player, weighed over 300 pounds when he played football. And now he's like 270, six, seven, six 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 seven a massive dude i've been sparring with him it's been great work there's another guy i've been sparring with that's tall and long six seven um i sparred with a light heavyweight southpaw very slick that is about six one um and uh gave me great technical work uh I've, I've sparred with just some great great dudes man and i was really really ready to showcase what i could do i didn't necessarily get to do that um, so, you know, a lot of you guys have asked for video. I'm working on it. The promoter's supposed to send me uh, video in a couple weeks. And whenever I get it, I'll post it. But there's not a whole lot really to show you guys, honestly. It, once I threw like four or five punches, the fight was over. You know, it, um, I just kind of, it was really sloppy and goofy looking for the first minute because this dude was just haymaking, you know, hate throwing haymakers. And I just basically just covered up and let him do his thing. And then I hit him in the gut a couple of times. And then the head, the temple, the side of the head, because he was leaning over and that was it. Uh, but I did what I had to do, got the dub. So uh, what was awesome is that I had friends and family who made the trip down to see me. My mother was there. That was really special for me um, with everything that she's going through with her health for, for my parents to be there, but especially my mom to be there and see me fight. Um, cause who knows how much longer she'll, you know, be around. I, I don't, I don't know. So, so like having friends and family there, my sister, my brother-in-law were all there, my cousins. It was, it was awesome. It was really, really awesome. So, uh, this isn't how I pictured it unfolding and happening. Um, if, you know, <laughs> I wish I could have got three or four fights in this summer. Like I originally wanted to. So I could have got in there with a few different styles and shown some of you guys out there, some of the things I could do. 
But, you know, I was talking to my wife about this and my coach, and they both basically said the same thing in their own way. They said, Mike, the guys that you trained with, the guys you've been sparring with and training with for the last few years as a competitive fighter, amateur and then pro, they know what you can do. It's the guys that know what you can do. And they that's whose opinion should matter. Who gives a shit what some troll on Twitter thinks? Um, they're never going to give you credit anyway. If you went in there and had a four-round boxing clinic, you know, where you showed beautiful footwork and counterpunching and all the things I could do, they're still not going to give you credit because they're going to be like, oh, you couldn't get the guy out of there? You should have knocked him out in the first round. So it, it's you can't have it all, right? So, um, and that's the thing with only having one fight, you know? Um, so anyway, guys, that's what took place. I'm trying to think if I um, got to everything, but that's that's what took place um, in the fight itself. And then um, yesterday we came back home. Uh, Jackie got her first full night's sleep and back in her bed. She feels a lot better today. Me and Tiffany are still feeling under the weather, um, but it's all good. And, and so if I never do fight again, at least I can say I did this. I put myself through it. I put myself out there. Um, and I tried something that literally 99% of people would never even try to try, <laughs> uh, especially considering everything my family has gone through the last few years, but even this year in particular, man. Uh, and then all the cancellations, those cancellations hurt. Oh my God, do they hurt? And let me tell you guys, this has been an education. Um, obviously I consider myself pretty knowledgeable in the sport of boxing, but, and I've always known what fighters go through intellectually, but what I've been living is the life of what I call the four round fighter, right? That's the novice level guy, not fighting for a world title, not signed to a promoter, independent operator, working a real job, boxing on nights and weekends, early mornings, you know, around work and all that stuff. Guys, that is literally over 90% of licensed professional boxers. I don't think fans always recognize that. It's less than 10% of these guys that have a top-level promoter or even a club promoter that signs them. Somebody that's like looking out for them and taking care of the business side of things for them. So all they can focus on is training. Maybe even giving them money, paying their rent so they don't have to work so they can focus on training, right? That's it's probably less than 5% of pro fighters. The overwhelming majority of professional fighters are guys like me. And in fact, if I'm going to be honest, I had certain privileges over most of these guys, because again, not to say I'm a big deal because I'm not, but I have some name recognition in the boxing community. I have some, I have a fairly large social media following for a boxing guy. And um, that has helped me get opportunities that maybe perhaps I otherwise would not have got. So that's another thing too, is I recognize the privilege I had um, in this process. Cause there's a lot of guys out there who don't have maybe the social media following or, you know, the name and boxing that I have, and they're trying to get on a show and make a little bit of money and promoters like, no, you're not getting on this show unless you sign a five fight deal with me, or you're only getting paid. But if you sell tickets, you know, all these sorts of, of things, and I was able to negotiate with these guys and work out a deal that made sense for, for both of us because there's things I can do for people on the back end, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, again, I, now I recognize, like, 
I had certain privileges compared to most of these dudes. So it's just made me respect what I call the four round fighter more than ever before. Um, what these guys go through, man, and they're doing it literally to feed their family. A lot of them, right? Maybe they work a construction job or whatever, but they do boxing to make some extra money each year. It's literally how they pay their bills. I wasn't doing this to pay my bills. My bills are fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good financially. I'm set up very, very well. Um, I was doing this out of passion, you know? So, uh, it's really been a humbling educational experience. I think it's made me, um, a better human being. I think ultimately it's going to help contribute, making me a better husband, uh, father, all of it. So, um, if this was it, then, and I'm, I, I'm not saying that yet. I'm not going to say that it's definitely it for the year. I know that because we're about to have another baby in the first few months that that baby's around, you ain't getting no sleep. That baby is uh, up every three hours. So it's definitely it for the year. But if it's it for good, what an experience, man. And with everything that I've learned, I feel like I could write a book, a coffee table book that people might find interesting and just call it the four round fighter, the life of a four round fighter and talk about some of my experiences. Uh, so anyway, and you know, I also, I also want to say, I share this victory with all of you guys out there who support me. I really, really do. And the people have asked, like, what's going through your mind? How do you feel? As far as the fight itself and all that, it's kind of was just, I'm experienced enough because of the amateur fights and stuff I've had. It just kind of felt like business as usual. We came back home and it's like, okay, fight's over. Let's move on. Okay, I don't even really have any emotions about it. What I feel right now more than anything is a tremendous sense of gratitude for all the people that have helped me, all the people I've trained with, all the people that have advised me, um, the coaches I've worked with. And you guys got to remember, I've lived in all these different places. I've traveled all over the country. I've trained with people everywhere, man. Um, it, it's been a great, great experience. And I've met so many wonderful people. And then all of you guys out there that are supporting me, um, tuning into the show and just following me and my journey and reaching out to me. And even this year when I took a break for a couple months, so many of you reached out to me to let you know you were thinking of me and stuff. Like I just, I've never felt so loved and supported. And it, so that's what I'm feeling right now. It's just tremendous gratitude to everybody. Most of all, my wife, seeing what she has had to go through, being very, very pregnant with a husband who's doing two-a-days, right? I'm getting up in the morning and running or lifting weights, whatever. And then I'm going to the gym at night to spar coming home tired. She's having to take care of a baby while having a baby grow inside of her womb. Uh, she made tremendous sacrifices. And if, if I didn't think I could love her any more than I already do. I was wrong. Um, I'm just humbled at, uh, women and, uh, you guys are, are, you guys have superpowers, man. That's all I'm going to say. You guys have superpowers that us men don't have. All right. Super chat time. Super chat from Trent Namprio. Thank you, Trent. He says, Teddy Atlas is on pro box. Now you have a pro fight. You having a pro fight is inspiring. Big respect. I don't want to look back on life. Having not ever had a pro match you demand. Hey, Trent, if you're young enough and you could do it, bro, do it, do it now. What's stopping you? Get those amateur fights in, though. Don't skip ahead in line. Get those amateur fights in because some of the lessons I learned in those amateur fights helped me get through all the craziness. Again, imagine being told you had three minutes 
to go get in the ring and do a heavyweight fight against a guy who weighed 30 pounds heavier than you and was half your age. <laughs> um, and you didn't even have your gloves on. Okay. That's pressure, ladies and gentlemen. And those amateur experiences helped me get through that experience. So get the amateur fights in Trent. Uh, super chat from Dr. Repper. Thank you so much. He says, massive congratulations, Montero. Huge achievement at any age. Inspiring stuff. I need to get my shit wired, man. No more excuses. Do it, bro. Do it. And if you do it, keep us posted. All right, guys. Anything that I, any way that I can help and, and share my experiences with you guys, especially the, the, real quick. I'm not going to get into all the training details. I can, if you'd like me to in a future episode. But I'll just say I did this camp differently, and I kept muscle on in this camp. In previous camps, I did way more road work. Now, keep in mind, I am 44. <clears throat> I'm also a different body type because I'm over six feet tall. I'm over 200 pounds. You know, I'm a kind of a heavyweight. I'm really a cruiserweight in the modern era. I'm really not a heavyweight. I just didn't want to make 200 pounds. In the amateurs, I was really cutting so much muscle. In this camp, it was different. I lifted a lot more weights. I did less road work. My cardio was my sparring. I did road work once or twice a week, but I'd only run like three miles. I wasn't doing five, six miles. None of that shit. I did three miles. Kept it to 5K, basically, which is like 3.15 miles. That's what I did, all right? And I only did that once or twice a week. And I ate. I let myself eat. Uh, particularly protein. I kind of did the carnivore diet. I cut back on the carbs and the sugars and I ate a lot of protein, a lot of meat and cheese, dairy, all that stuff. And uh, it worked for me. I cut fat like never before. And I actually kept, I, I did cut some muscle off, but I kept a lot of muscle. I probably had 10 more pounds of muscle at least in this fight than my last amateur fight that was back in February because I was just doing too much running, not enough weightlifting. Anyway, I could get into more of those details later, guys. But yeah, anyway, just experiences like that. If I can share with some of you guys trying to do something like this, I will. Obviously, I will. Will with the super chat. Will, I'm sorry. Will the degenerate boxing fan Lynch with the super chat. Thank you so much, Will. He says, congratulations on your pro debut, Mike. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. You guys are awesome. We have another super chat here from John Witten. Thank you so much. And we got another one from Omar Rodriguez. Thank you, Omar. He says, Montero, admit it. You just wanted to get on box rec, LOL. <laughs> uh, next, Montero versus Jake Paul. Hey, uh, if, I, if I can get paid, if I can get that Jake Paul money, sign me up, bro. Sign me up. <clears throat> It is kind of crazy seeing me on BoxRec, although my picture on there is horrible. It's the worst picture. I look like I'm 80. It just it is not. I was really hungover. It was, I, I was in Detroit. It was after a night of drinking. I went to a baseball game. My cousin works at the stadium. He got us lit. And the next day, I'm like, Ugh. it just looked horrible. And that, that's the picture they used. So I'm hoping to get some pictures from the fight itself. And I'm going to send a couple of those to Boxer. Like, guys, could you choose one of these? Where at least I, I'm in the ring, and you know, like, yeah, that my picture on Boxer is terrible. And you don't get to choose that stuff, you know. So I'm hoping they'll work with me. Uh, Chris with the super chat, thank you so much, Chris. He says, "I always believed in you, Mike. Congrats, Chris. You, you've been a a loyal friend for many years, man. You're an awesome guy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much." 
I, I really, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I really, really mean that. Um, real quick, and then I'll get a couple of phone calls, okay? Uh, preview time. Uh, this Friday, September 15th, Top Rank has probably the best show of the week um, in, uh, where is it at? Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi, Texas on ESPN. Zander Zayas fighting in his first 10-rounder. Undefeated 140-pound prospect fighting in his first 10-rounder. I, I think that's the co-main, but the main event's actually fairly interesting. Uh, Luis Alberto Lopez versus Joette Gonzalez for uh, Lopez's IBF featherweight title. Uh, that's, a, that's a decent scrap on paper. Hope it plays out that way in the ring. And then Saturday, September 16th, Golden Boy Promotions has a card at Commerce uh, in uh, Commerce, California on DAZN. William Zapeda versus Mercito Hesta uh, in a lightweight fight. That's an interesting matchup. Uh, you can kind of call the showcase for Zapeda, but I'd also say, look, Yes, this had a couple of solid wins recently. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. And then uh, next weekend, we get the rematch between Zhang and Joyce. That should be fun. That's in London. I do think Joyce will fight better in this rematch. It'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments, if any, he can make. And then later this month, we get uh, Canelo and Charlo. So, we'll talk about all that, of course, as it gets closer. <clears throat> uh, okay, let's jump to these phones real quick. All right, let's start with 559. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's up, Mike? It's me, Miguel, man. Miguel, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Good, good. Uh, just right here with the baby and uh, the wifey. But hey, congratulations on your debut. Thanks, man. Thank I kinda you. I kind of lost track of everything that was going Yeah, you're welcome. I kind of lost a track of everything that was going on because I myself have a baby right now. <laughs> Newborn. I hear you, bro. Been busy, but, um, <laughs> I hear you. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, for all those listening, Michael wasn't playing. Michael isn't playing when he says he really put in the necessary work, man. I, I, I feel like you've been in training camp for a one year straight, bro. Yeah, yeah that's how it <laughs> You know feels, what I mean? Man. Like, I'm so but, exhausted uh, right now, bro. Yeah, I'm hey. so exhausted. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Hey, it's part of the game, you know. But like I said, congratulations. That's a good win on a guy. The fight was supposed to be harder, like you said, but you 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 got him out of there quick. And congratulations, man. And um, yeah, like you said earlier, uh, today's September 11th. Today, I, for all of this, you can put all our bullshit that's going on in our lives to the side because. Uh, Today, we have to commemorate those who were lost on, on September 11, 2001. And, you know, it brought a lot of changes, like yeah. you said, for for the armed forces as well as for civilians as well. And uh, 22, 23 years later, here we are, you know, and I believe uh, all that all that's happening now started then. Mm -hmm. I am happy that we're way more uh, able to have information, you know now as opposed to back then because back then it was just one thing that was told to us most of us the vast majority believes it and it was wrong and with that being said it's not about what caused it who caused it it's about the victims and those lost you know and i myself have, don't have family that was lost or friends but half of my family on my mom's side they're all in the military you know and the, the other half of us you know went to prison whatever <laughs> Mexicans, I guess, whatever, but hey, it sounds like I'm not just only too, race, bro. but what I'm saying is <laughs> Italians are very similar. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, um half of my you know, my my two first cousins, uh 
their army. They went to the army, man. Um, and they, uh, my older cousin Rosie, Rose, she, uh, I don't know if you remember back then when they were, they were attacking all the convoys with the IEDs. Yeah. She was Absolutely. a victim of one of them. Luckily, yeah, luckily she didn't die, dude. Luckily she didn't die. But it was back then when they were using the, the Nokia's, the actual terrorists, the insurgents, to, to uh, detonate bombs on the road. And she, she unfortunately was in a Bradley fighting vehicle. Horrible design, by the way. Even she said it, but most of her uh, crew got blown to bits, dude. And wow. she came back all screwed up. And when I say all screwed up, I mean really not right, you know. And it took years and years for her to even have some type of normalcy. So, like, you know, we've all, I, 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 if you can, from financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, personally, with family or friends, we've all have had the effect of what happened that day. And uh, let's never forget, you know, God bless those who passed away. God bless all the veterans that truly fought with their heart. Thank you for your service, Mike. Thank you. And uh, I just want to call in and tell you thank you for all your hard work that you do, man. You're one of the most hardest working dudes that I know, period. I don't even know you personally, like, that in person, but, like, I feel like you're my brother, bro, because it's like, Same. you're not fake, you know, you're not, you're not, uh, you don't have an agenda. And that's so rare these days, man. Thank you, bro, because, like, um, you know, even if you don't want to end it or whatever, you know, it's still tough, you know, these days, especially in this world, and especially when you have kids, you know, and yeah. I'm 32 years old, uh, father of one, struggling man struggling ex-convict multiple strikes but i haven't been back in 10 years i'm not ever gonna go back and you motivate me bro thank you for for your message for uh to stay strong okay because it really helps man that's awesome miguel yo keep keep at it bro every single time you think about when things get tough and you think about taking maybe uh that easy road and doing something that might get you in trouble whatever think about your baby just think yeah about, think close your eyes and picture yeah, man. your baby's face okay all right. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Thank you, Mike. Uh, God bless those who are listening. And just a quick note, uh, the Crawford era has taken over. And that's another thing that motivates me. Man, yeah. are those PVC guys hurting right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you later. All right, Miguel. All right, peace. All right, guys. Hey, I love you, man. Bye. All right, brother. There he goes. Uh, oh, that was good. All right, let's jump to the UK. We got a UK caller. Uh, seven nine six. You're on the show. What's up? <clears throat> yeah, hello, Mike. How's it going? Hey, you know what? how you doing, brother? Nothing much. Uh, I want to say congratulations on the fight because I only found out about it on Saturday. But is there any footage available? Uh, well, I, maybe I talked at the beginning of the show. Uh, the promoter is supposed to get video to me in the next couple of weeks. They did a live stream. Um, and so there was video, but I, you know, I didn't want to talk about it beforehand. I didn't talk about it on my show. I didn't want to promote it. Cause I just wanted to be, I wanted it to be quiet and I just wanted to focus. That's why like, I told them like, cause they wanted to make me one of the fights maybe toward the end of the card, you know, closer to the main event. And I said, man, I just want to fight early on the undercard. I don't want it to be about me. I just want to get in the ring. That's all, you know, I just wanted it to be quiet, but yeah, anyway, they did a stream and they should be able to get me video in the coming weeks and I'll post it. But Hamed, there's not much to see, dude. It was a sloppy yeah, yeah, affair. Yeah. It was I a minute it. 45. It was once I threw a three, four punches, the fight was over. 
I've I've tried before, but I don't think like people when they watch on TV they think it's easy. It's not really easy when you're in the ring, especially if they're gonna be fighting at a high level amateur fight or even as a professional. Is is it will be a bit sloppy, especially if you're not being boxing from a really young age. But that that was cancelled, didn't it? It was meant to happen in July, the original date of the fight. Yeah, I've, I've actually had four fights get canceled on me this summer. And I was trying to do three or four fights. That's really what I wanted to do. That was the original plan. It just worked out this way. I was supposed to be done in August. I was hoping by now I'd be done fighting. That's what I told my wife. that Because my wife's birthday was last week. So her birthday was during fight week. Some birthday she had. She had to watch me train and <laughs> not eat. Uh, so um, I told her originally when we made this plan, that I would be done fighting by her birthday. And I had to go back on that promise. And, you know, there's been some arguments and it's been tough, man. But um, yeah, you know, I, I could have shown a lot more. I could have done a lot more, but a lot of that is, it depends on your opponent, bro. And if your opponent's being sloppy and crazy, um, it's hard to look, it's hard to do, you know, skillful boxing with that. So I just got him out of there. I'm like, let me just end this and get it over with and get him out of there. I I just put a couple hard shots on him and that was that. Um, but yeah, it ended the first first round. Will yeah. you be like looking at another uh, thing fight schedule, or are you like done? Because I didn't listen to what you were saying about the future. I don't know yet. Um, my wife is due to give birth next month, so it's def. This is definitely it for this year. But perhaps next spring, I, I you know do another one or so. I don't know. But right now, this is probably. If I had to guess, this was probably it. it it's, you know, it's a little bit of a, sh a shame because, again, like I said, I wanted to do like three or four of them. My, my level of boxing and what I can do is so much more than what happened in this fight. Uh, but I'm not going to worry about that. I got the results I wanted. You know, I got a first round stoppage. I didn't get to show my boxing skills and, you know, jab and move and you know do the things I could do. But I got a decisive, definitive victory. And that's what's most important. So um, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's good to hear. I was going to ask you one more thing before I get to boxing. You know, you were talking about like in the past, like about to deal with some dark moments. But like, how how would you say, say if a boxer or someone or even a fan is going through stuff like that, how would you say was the best way you dealt with it? Like, obviously, there's some. Like some things you can't get back, like especially if someone's passed away, or if you've got a severe illness or mm -hmm. condition. But when people like, because I see this more prevalent in boxing with a lot of boxers and even with fans. Like I do think people do suffer from a lot of people from mental illnesses or whether or not it's just depression in general. But would you say like talking helps? Because I think when people don't open up or talk about issues, I think that normally is not healthy. Yeah, I, I, I that's a great point, Hamid. Um, talking absolutely helps, and and sometimes it's not what you're saying necessarily, but who you're talking with. Because some people are receptive. And some people are not, you know, like there have been times I've gone through tough times in my life and I've tried to reach out to certain family members or friends and they were not very receptive to it. And then I, you learn, okay, 
when I'm going through a tough time, I'm not going to talk to this person, that person. You learn who's the good people to talk to. So you need to talk to somebody that's going to be supportive and listen and be and just sometimes you just need someone to listen, bro. But if you don't have anybody, because yeah. sometimes you feel like you have nobody and it's just you, my advice would be go for a run. I know it sounds corny. It sounds lame, but I'm serious. Like it's put on some sneakers and some shorts and go for a run, get outside, get, get in the sun, yeah. go, run to the park and do some damn pull-ups on the monkey bars, do some push-ups. There is something about physical activity. I know it releases endorphins and all that, but something about physical activity, especially for men, we have all this testosterone. We need, we need to physicalize yeah. it. And, and when you're in shape, well, it, it, it makes you feel better. It just makes you feel better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That could have an impact on your mental life. But even just going for a walk. Like yes. Sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast, like I was listening to your to the last podcast, I think you did about the Usyk Dubois fight, because I didn't manage to listen to all of it live. But just like even going for a walk when the weather's good, I do think even that could help people. But I, I do think that is a major problem in boxing. And there have been a lot of boxers that have unfortunately haven't had the help that yeah. was required. I don't know if you remember a boxer, a super middleweight from Ireland, who was, had the problems in future, Darren Sutherland. But he, I think it was 2009, he took his own life. And yeah. It was very unfortunate what happened to him because I think he either beat the game in the amateurs or he had a couple of very good fights. But I think he had a very promising future. But back then, I don't think many people were really talking about stuff like Mm-hmm. This in boxing, or well, even even when it comes to men in general, a lot of you know people just seem to think that is something you shouldn't be talking about. But I do think in boxing is more prevalent than other sports. I think I think you're right, and I think it's because this is seen as a quote unquote macho sport, right? You're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, Hamed, look at our fans. When when a fighter takes a knee. The fans call him a quitter. They don't do that over in UFC if a guy yeah. taps out, you know? So there's a, just a culture in this sport. Up oh, here comes Jackie. <laughs> Jackie's coming into the studio. You know what? I, I, Hamed, I think the last time Jackie came in, I was talking to you too. <laughs> there's something about yeah, when Hamed calls. <laughs> hey, where you going, baby? Oh, she just, she she crawled in, poked her head in and just crawled out. Oh, now she's back. We'll see if she comes over here and I'll lift her up. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There, there's something in boxing um where you know you gotta be macho and you gotta you know it's like dude sometimes you just need to talk about this shit it's okay it really is okay yeah yeah i i do i do think running even going for a workout but even if you're not if you're just a fan even the punching bag or just trade it in in general a punching bag's a great one bro a punching bag's a great one if you're stressed out (laughs) come here baby (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah, I, I was going to talk about a couple of stuff. Uh, I heard you talking about the Usyk Dubois fight. I thought it was arguably a legal shop. I heard some of your points, and I do think you had somewhat of an argument in certain aspects. But, like, um, there was, I think there was a certain person in the chat that was trying to, uh, what's it called, come at me and say, I'm biased towards British fighters. But, there was a lot of people online as well. And I don't really like talking about stuff like politics and boxing all the time, but 
especially when the people that I feel like have a bias themselves throw it at me. Because like, there was a couple of people on Twitter who were accusing me of being biased because I'm British. But I wanted Usyk to win. But then I looked at their profiles. They were either from Ukraine or Poland. So I, I just think when fans start doing that, you're also receptive to the same, you know, judgment uh, in the end. Because yeah. I, I wanted Usyk to win, but I did still think that that was, could have been a legal shot. Because a lot of people who are not British thought that was a legal shot. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you, how about, yeah, you this, have the right actually, to have that yeah. opinion. And if somebody doesn't like it, yeah, tell them to go blank yeah. themselves. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. yeah I, I, I do think I've seen worse decisions and worse calls. I agree with you on that. I just didn't like the referee in the fight. And I didn't like how he officiated the Klitschko Pavetkin fight yeah. as well. I, I've never and liked him as a ref. What, I've just never liked him. He's not a he's not a good referee. But I've seen guys like now Joe. I think it was Jack Reese and Joe Cortez both saying it was a legal shot. My problem with this whole thing is I talked about this, I think, um, with uh, Joe Habib after the fight. I think it was that night. And I think we were on, um, I can't remember, I think it might have been Discord. And I was even thinking that the referee was not transparent in the dressing room or in the pre-fight instructions. And that was, I think, more of the problem with a lot of people that thought that the ball got a bit short-changed in that round because if the referee said anything on the belt or below is uh, illegal I know some of the gloves did go what's it called below the belt or whatever was on the belt then I wouldn't have had a problem it's just I think the referee was not really that transparent and in the dressing room he's talking about stuff like telling the bar to not worry about the fans and yeah, the referee it, it, you're not meant to do that Luis Pabon is just I'm, again, I don't. I don't want to sit here and just beat up on anybody, but he, I'm just not a fan of him as a ref. I mean, I saw that clip yeah. you're talking about, and like the things he was talking about. It's like that's something a trainer should be saying to a fighter, not a ref. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. It's not. I don't blame Usyk though. I got. I gotta be. Yeah. Because Usyk. But you know what? Fighting on the road. Uh, I was just gonna say, um, Usyk showed a vulnerability in that fight. And every other heavyweight yeah. took notice of it. Okay, so they're he's going to have to uh, find a way to avoid getting hit with that shot in the future because every opponent he faces from now on is going to throw it. So um, that's on him. What? You know, did it? There is a video where he's being dropped as an amateur. I saw that, that. shot was similar to the one. To yeah, the one the ball landed. So. Some referees, or, or I think a lot of referees in general would have called it because the fight was in Poland and I think it was like 50,000. And I do think maybe Pabon may have just made a quick judgment guess. I'm, I'm not sure if he saw that real life. If, if he did, then, you know, that's his right. I just think he should have been a bit more transparent. But I, I do think uh, some people are obviously going over the top because this is my knowledge as a professional has only had really one close fight and he hasn't really had any favorable scorecards or decisions. He's, I think maybe in the, yeah, in the Joshua fight, Pabon was a bit bad in that. So. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that I got to move on, Hamed. But um, Usyk is one of those, like, if people are trying to make a point about a fighter getting favoritism and all that, Usyk's the wrong example. This guy has gone on the road his entire career. This was the closest yeah, yeah. thing to a hometown fight that he's had. And he was the champion. It was kind of a hometown fight for him. And that call went his way. That's really the first call like that his entire career that I can think of that's gone his way. Everything else, he's had to make concessions. So, um, yeah, as a professional, he went to Latvia to beat Brady. But I do think he was complain, over-complaining with body shots. But again, yeah. that's on the referee. A fighter will do what they could do to get away it's, with it. It's not the ref, but it's also it's on just, Dubois. It's yeah. also on Dubois. You know, yeah. you gotta you got a guy hurt, take advantage and make the, force the ref to to take a point or something. Like get in there and do what Dubois had no chance of outboxing Usyk. The only chance he had was to go back to that body. And he tried to do it, he just wasn't mm -hmm. effective. But to, to me, it's just it's just a non-issue. It's just a non-issue. Uh, yeah, I I Usyk won the fight, he won the majority of the round, he was the superior boxer, but I don't think he did land his whatever money shot that he had really a power of he really just had a punch of chance, which I was saying before the fight. So I, I think Jurgovic will be a tougher fight, but I, I can't blame Dubois too much after what happened in round five because I did see him go into the body. It just, he couldn't land that shot again because I think Usyk is just on another level. But I, I don't completely agree with your notion. I think you were saying about the Kovalev world fight and even this fight. He, if the referee is threatening to disqualify you or showing heavy favoritism to the other fighter, as you as a fighter, what would you? How would you feel if you were in that well, situation? I don't know if you heard earlier in the show. I was talking about uh, the referee in my fight missed a knockdown. I landed a great body shot. The dude fell down. He fell on me, so he knocked me down too. Uh, so we both went down, but the referee missed it, and I got up and I was pissed off. But I stayed, you know, disciplined, and I just went out there and finished the guy. Um, man, the referees make mistakes. They, they do. And as a fighter, you got to deal with it. There's just a lot of things that happen in a fight. Also, I'll you know, I don't know if you heard earlier on where I said the guy, the commission guy came into the locker room and said, Montero, three minutes. I didn't even have my gloves on. Yeah, I, I didn't that. get to warm up. I think yeah, I, I had to figure it out, and I did. And Dubois yeah. had an amazing no, opportunity uh, and just didn't figure it out, dude. But I gotta get to this so next I, call, I think, Hamed. I, I, yeah, I, I'll let you go. I will, I will say one last thing. I do think I, he just wasn't good enough to do that. But I do think him quitting or giving up—that wasn't a good look. He's done that in the past as well, and that's something that I do think they need to work on. But I, I do think Philip Hildovich and Nusik that will be a more competitive fight because a lot of people are reading too much into Hildovich's past fights, but. The same people are saying Dubois was going to barely win the round and he was going to get stopped in three, four rounds. So I think that's a tough fight, possibly. But that, that's probably a good fight to make if you're not going to fight him. But thanks for taking my call, man. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Hamed. Have a good one, brother. All right. You too. All right. Say hi to everybody, Jackie. Say hi. Say hello. Jackie's on the show. Say hi. One day you're going to be dad's co-host. Uh, can you clap? Clap. 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 Jackie, can you clap? 
Oh, come on, don't get you. There you go. Good job, baby. Can you wave? Can you wave? Yay. Good job, baby. I love you. You daddy kiss. Oh, thank you. I love you, baby. Daddy's going to get back to work now, okay? Go, go to mommy. Go crawl to mommy. All right, guys, we're going to uh, real quick super chat from Chris Singh. Thank you so much, man. He says, congrats, Mike. Undefeated with 100%. First round KO. TBE, baby. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I love it. All right. Uh, one last call, guys, and we're going to go here. Um, Jackie's probably going to get mad if I don't pick her back up here in a second. Once I pick her up once, she gets this thing where she's just like, Daddy, why aren't you picking me up again? Why Why did you put me down? You know, so. Uh, okay, one last call, real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, 415, John, the show. What's up? <clears throat> Mike, what's good? It's your boy Luis in Oakland. Luis, what's up, man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Long time no speak. It, it, good to hear from you. Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, yeah, congratulations on that uh, on that beatdown. That first round topic. <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I, I want to hear for sure. I want to hear your opinion on um, uh, it's kind of not far fetched or out the uh, realm of conversation, but what's up with these uh, nuanced UFC weigh-ins we're, uh, we're seeing now? As far as uh, you know, the inaugural and they're doing them, you know, before with, with no real like uh, you know TV feedback, and we really can't see how the fighters actually look on the scale. I, I mean. These yeah, last man. couple of big fights with the Garcia and the Spence and Crawford, we see that, and I'm kind of like, well, basically, I'm I'm expecting it with Charlo and Canelo. Um, so I want to hear your opinion on that. It it will be that for Char Charlo Canelo. Uh, it's it's all the Nevada fights, man, and I don't know why they do that. It defeats the purpose. Like, what's the point? So the actual weigh-in that they do publicly is completely just for show. It's like it's not a, it's WWE shit. So um, the guys are weighing in at right. nine, 10 in the morning, and then they're, they're rehydrated by the time they come out to the stage. Imagine if you're a gambler and you're trying to place a bet, you know, a lot of gamblers want to see how these guys look at the weigh-in. They might like, they might look great at the weigh-in, but maybe at nine in the morning when they weighed in, they look like a freaking skeleton. It's just, I don't like it, man. Yeah. I mean, and nothing should be behind closed doors, man. Nothing. I just don't like it. Yeah, exactly. And like you want to see how, you know, especially if they miss weight and they have to come back, like how many times they, you know, have to uh, basically go back on the scale to retry or how did they look to, you know what I mean? Like they got to get naked on the scale and drop their drawers. Like all that shit is a factor into the fight. So, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just weird to me how this shit is starting to be like a, a norm now, the UFC concept. And, you know, I kind of want to, you know, hear somebody's you know, a pan professionally who, you know, who knows about it has been behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen a lot of crazy shit at weigh-ins, dude. I've seen people stepping on the scale to help a fighter out. I've seen all kinds of stuff. Um, there's a lot of shady things that happen. And I just know that like, okay, so me and my opponent weighed in um, Friday and I was there, I was present. They were streaming it. Everything was happening live. Um, it was a digital scale, so I could see, like, there was just, there was no shenanigans. But we're heavyweights, so we don't have to make weight. But I'm just saying, like, that's the way you should do it. 
And that's just a club show in a small town. Why the hell is a big Vegas show doing it behind closed doors, man? It just, why is nobody in the media talking about this shit? Why is nobody pushing back on that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jackie's bro, kicking exactly. my desk right now. Well, I just feel like, <laughs> just kick, baby, well, just I'm kicking the keyboard. Get back to your daddy duties, man. But I, right. I, I just want to hear your opinion on that, bro. Good to hear from you. And I'll uh, hopefully hear from you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Luis. Have a great one, brother. You too, bro. All right. There he goes. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up. All right, baby. Say bye bye to everybody. Can you wave? Can you wave bye bye? Say bye bye. Now he's going to play the outro music. Can you say bye bye? Can you say da da? She's starting to say da da. Oh, da da. just punch the microphone. All right, guys. Um, thank you so much again for all your support. You guys have been awesome, and um, I'm going to work on getting the fight footage. Um, it might take a couple weeks. And then also, they had a photographer take fight photos. I don't know if they were able to get any, because like I said, it was only a minute 45. But uh, whatever they get, I'll um, I'll share it. Okay, guys? So um, we'll do it again next week. We'll preview the big heavyweight fight. Until then, have a wonderful week, guys. I love you. Peace.